Star Wars fun for everyone, especially me. I like the sound of that. Hey everybody, welcome to Star Wars Fun for Everyone, especially me, I'm your host Tom Sutton. Um, I had to jump in now because uh, I finished the Andor rewatch and y'all might be a little bit sick of hearing me talking about Andor all the time, but as I said um, or have said in the past, this is a momentous occasion. Um, I've... I've liked all the Star Wars that has come out since The Force Awakens to various degrees. Um, but when we get something this great, this special, I say, come on, don't hold back. It's just dig in and appreciate it. Um, yeah, so we're going to talk about the last two episodes of season one of Andor. And we are going to talk about... Um, this new episode of The Bad Batch that just dropped today called Tribe. And a little bit of news and stuff as well. Um, yeah. And or the great news there. Now, I actually haven't talked about these episodes on, um, on the podcast at all yet because uh, things got busy around the time those episodes came out and I just couldn't get around to recording about them. Um, and what I can say at this point is that um, I really liked both of them the f when they first came out. Um, but I think it's possible that my expectations were a little bit too high or something. Um, I mean, the finales of each of the arcs um, throughout the series were so incredible that I guess I was feeling a little bit like, oh. I mean, if the, if the Ferrix arc ended that great, if the Aldani arc ended that great, if the Narkina 5 arc ended that great, then, I mean, what are we, what are we gonna see in, in the actual season finale? So it's possible that my expectations were a little bit um, overcranked, shall we say. Because, um, yeah, I remember watching it and going, like, that was excellent. Some absolutely amazing moments. But it wasn't quite the just, you know, like, heart-thumping, waterworks-inducing perfection uh, uh, that the other arc endings were to me. Um, I'm happy to report that I don't feel that way actually anymore, or I, I didn't feel that way on this um, on this rewatch. It really worked for me, really did. Um, I loved uh, the kooky um, <laughs> Cyril Khan, Dedra Miro stuff. Um, I think, you know, okay. I think these are the things that maybe, you know, I was kind of expecting and was a bit like um, caught off guard by not seeing is that um, I really thought we were going to get to see like Cinta and Vel have a crack at Andor, at, at Cassian. 
I thought that we were going to see them have a go and that he was going to be able to get away from them and there would be a big scene there between those three potentially. Or I thought that maybe we would see Cyril and Dedra come kind of face-to-face with Cassian. But he was really like kind of on the periphery for a lot of it. And... Um, yeah, the big moments of the episode, really, like, in a lot of ways, belonged to other characters. But um, it was, yeah, I absolutely loved it this time. It just, um, it felt really good. And I, I, I think, um, I mean, those, those scenes where, you know, Marva has passed away and the daughters of Ferrix are dealing with her house... And Brasso's there, and B2 just can't process what has happened. Absolutely heartbreaking. And just the the images, the way that his um, that he is shot in in those scenes is gorgeous and visceral. And it's just so just heartbreaking how. You know, those lines like um, Brasso asks him, like, we can, all, we can all leave the house for a while, if, B2, if you, if you want to be alone. And B says, I don't want to be alone. Oh, yeah, I mean, who would have thought, like, characters like, like I mean, okay, droids do have a history of kicking much ass in Star Wars, so maybe we shouldn't be that, uh, that surprised. But Brasso... Fantastic. I mean, that scene down in the kind of the sewers or whatever, you know, this tunnel that leads into the into the hotel, um, where Brasso tells Cassian the message that Marva asked him to pass on. <gasps> oh! Just that is like A grade TV. And that hug between Cassian and Brasso is one of the best hugs. <laughs> Maybe the best Star Wars hug ever. So good. Um, and just this, it's so cool. You just get this sense of the people of Ferrix, like their just tolerance for this bullshit, just reaching its fucking limit. And so when it spills over, into open rebellion that really you feel like you've earned it and it just feels like they had no choice you know they couldn't they couldn't let this keep going you know great loved that scene where Cassian's um remembering that that kind of nice moment with his dad whereas you know his dad is showing him you know something about uh repurposing old gear and stuff that was lovely. Um, I guess one thing, like, okay, I talked to, uh, he's a student of mine, but I would call him a friend too, um, a friend of mine called Joe, um, about this. I guess I felt a little bit like when it came time for Cassian to go in and he decides, I, I got to bust Bix out, I can't leave her in that hotel. When he decides to go in, Obviously, like most of the guards are gone because they're dealing with the um, they're dealing with the riot. Um, 
but Cassian basically he has to deal with one guard and then one one death trooper on the way out. And I kind of wanted to have I kind of wanted to see him have his heroic moment with a bit more excitement and a bit more like yes he's doing it kind of vibe. Um but Joe pointed out like no, it's good that they kept it still pretty, like, kind of um, pulled back. Like, you don't want him to come across as James Bond in that scene. You want him to have a very, like, realistic amount of difficulty to handle. And you want to be reminded that he's not a, a superhero, he's just a guy. And, um, yeah, so I, I'm down with that now. That is cool. Um, yeah, just, just a, an all-around fantastic end to, to, to the season. I mean, Marva's speech. Round of fucking applause. <laughs> she, I mean, she's amazing. I hope Fiona Shaw is like genuinely proud of her work on the show because like she's so um layered like there's so much there's so many different colors to that character um you see her as this kind of optimistic bright-eyed scavenger when she first meets Cassian in the flashbacks you see that side of her you see her as the extremely concerned mother when uh, it's apparent that Cassian is getting himself into trouble. And you see the fierce fucking just warrior that comes out when she, she A, knows that her time is perhaps limited and that B, that she's, she's had enough. Ah, oh, such a good character. And that speech was magnificent. And I just love what it does for me as a as a as a Star Wars fan, which is to like you can't you can't overshow how awful the Empire is. The more bricks you add to that wall, the better it is for Star Wars, I think, I think. And I love I just love to see and it, like the oppression on Ferex being like kind of everyday oppression. You know, it's not like a thousand Star Destroyers overhead and just like 15 AT-ATs cranking down the street or anything. It's literally just like a platoon or whatever and, you know, just push it, pushing people around and people finally saying... Enough's enough. Great. It's cool that, you know, Cassian got, um, I don't I can't remember what that daughter of Ferex's name was, but it was her, Brasso, Bix, and B2. He got him on that, that plane and got him away. I hope we see him, like, um, so they've already said that we're going to end up at, Yavin 4 at some point in season 2 um, so uh, 
I want to see Brasso on Yavin 4. I mean, him in a, like, in a flight suit? Put him in a Y-Wing or something, man. He would look perfect. Yes. And the, the Mon Mothma stuff all came together beautifully. I love, I mean, again, like just how subtle and tasteful this show is and how understated it is. That um, Shandrillan kind of mobster that Takeoma brings in to, um, to fix Mon Mothma's um, banking situation for her. They, he could have come in and been, been really like, eh, you know, I can fix your problems for you, lassie, or whatever, you know. But he was just like, he, he, he had like a bit of a, like a, a lack of taste that was just enough to show you that this guy's not, he's not from the upper echelons of society. He has put himself there. Um... And the kind of the subtle way that they talk, they kind of talk about the subject without talking about the subject, you know. Um, and just Mon Mothma's just the tragedy of her and like the horror that she feels. That that's so amazing. Where um, you know, he he says something like, "Well, just consider it," and she's like, "I'm." Um, I will, I will not consider it, or I'm not considering it, this offer. And he says, that's the first time you've lied to me. Because he knows that she has no choice, and, she, and he knows that she is considering it. And we see that it basically goes down, you know. The introduction is made, we have to assume that it's going ahead, and just how guilty she feels for for you know what she's the position she's putting her daughter in her daughter is a pain in the ass but that doesn't change the fact that mom mothma is she's seeing she's putting her daughter in a position that she herself was put in when she was 15 and where when she married Perrin you know without um even really knowing who he was and uh yeah i just think like her performance there brilliant again so I just um, yeah after that rewatch I can very confidently say this is like a, just a straight 10 out of 10 from me there's nothing I don't love about the show it might be my favourite show of all time at this point um, Star Wars or otherwise I love and or that is it can't wait for season two. It's crazy. I mean, it's in production right now. They're making it as we speak. Whew. That's good stuff. All right. Thank you, Andor. Let's move on. Let's talk about this episode of The Bad Batch. Um, yeah, we've talked about how uh, it's been, you know, a mixture of like uh, more kind of like hard-hitting episodes and more like fun episodes. This was a pretty uh, juicy one, I would say. Um, I liked this space station thing that they landed on to do this trade. 
thought the droid designs were pretty cool. Um, the textures on them were excellent. Again, the show looks incredible. But um, the, just the, like the level of weathering and the like kind of layers of paint and stuff that you see on these droids, really, it looks amazing. Really, really, really good. Um, so that was cool. I know that we saw that Gunji, 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 I think it is. Okay, we saw that Gunji was going to be in this season, but I had forgotten by the time I sat down to watch this. So um, when Omega, it, again, like, how on earth do you have two pronunciations of, like, one of the main characters on the screen? Why is everyone calling her Omega and she calls herself Omega? Like, what, what did, why did not someone just say to like the voice actress for, to Omega and go, it's pronounced Omega? <laughs> I don't think that's a New Zealand accent thing. Yeah. That drives me insane. Sorry, it just does. Um, anyway. Um, yeah, so, you know, she stumbles on a, sorry, spoiler alert, by the way, um, if you haven't seen the episode and don't want it spoiled, I'm going to talk about it. Yeah, she sees them, you know, the droids like loading up a young Wookiee and fans of the Clone Wars, of course, would recognize him immediately as Gunji from the Younglings arc. Um, he was always a cool character. I think everyone liked him in that show. Um, it was good to see him again. Um, it was good. Like, I think, like, Omega felt very, very kind of, um, righteous and very, um, very right about her decision to help in that situation. Some of her things in, like, in the, the other episodes of this season have been a little bit to me, like, ah, oh, like, this totally untrustworthy person is telling us to go look for something we don't really need. Come on, Hunter, we should go. And you're just like, no, you shouldn't. Why are you letting this kid decide for you? Anyway, um, in this case, I felt like, yeah, you can't, you can't leave Gunji to the droid, to the droids, mate. But I, I think it was cool how it um, depicted Gunji being distrustful of the clones. Obviously, after Order sixty six. Um, Good to see that uh, that uh, that lightsaber of his again is you know carved from wood. It's uh, very suitable for a Wookiee, and beautiful to see Kashyyyk. Man, I've, I've I've developed a real fondness for Kashyyyk over the years. Um, I guess very largely to do with Fallen Order. <laughs> because there's a very long, wonderful um, stage set on Kashyyyk, and it's great. And who doesn't love Wookiees? Um, yeah, that uh, the leader of the Wookiees, I think her name was Yana. Fantastic. Loved her. Um, she had real character. I liked the hood thing she was wearing. She felt genuinely like warm and wise. I loved her. Yeah, it was cool. I liked those weird spidery creatures. They were a cool design, like really good and ugly, like that. Um, lots of shooty-shooty action stuff, 
which is fine. Um, it feels like this is uh, heading towards like, I think I saw someone mention that this is going to be a two-parter, uh, which is cool. But uh, yeah, again, good episode. Enough touches, uh, you know, or enough um, stuff that's connected to the overall story for me to feel like it was like going somewhere and adding to the tapestry of the Star Wars uh, saga. So uh, it was cool. I like Kashyyyk. I like Wookiees. Ganji is back. That is good. I would kind of like him to just become part of part of the gang, really. Just be a regular. But um, I get the feeling that's not how that's going to go. But yeah, good episode. Um, speaking of Fallen Order, a bit of news came out today. Um, Respawn, the, the developers of... Uh, Jedi, of Jedi Fallen Order, and of course its sequel, Jedi Survivor, uh, they announced that uh, the release of the game was going to be delayed. Um, not by long, by about uh, six weeks or something. Uh, so it's coming out April 27th, I think, is the date I have in my head, sometime in April. Um, yeah, they just announced that... Um, they really wanted more time to hunt down bugs, basically, and make sure um, that when the game comes out, it's as good as it possibly can be. All games these days go through updates and stuff um, throughout their kind of uh, release period. Um, but, yeah, it's hilarious, like... You can look at any post about anything online and you're going to see in the comments a wild range of different responses. If someone goes on there and goes, you know, I like this, it's going to be all these people going, blah, 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 yeah, that's great. Oh, and then another bunch of people going, that fucking sucks, mate. How can you like that? And then there's going to be another bunch of people going like, oh, my God, that's so blah, blah, east for you to say, whatever, you know. But the under the, um, as far as I saw, under the, the news, as it was reported on social media, that this game was getting um, delayed. Probably the most unified bunch of comments I've ever seen on anything I've seen on anything Star Wars related for years. <laughs> it's literally everybody going, "If it makes the game better, it's best to delay it." Good on you, fellas. Make it as good as you can. <laughs> it's just refreshing. Like, wow. Look at all these people making like completely reasonable fucking comments. <laughs> wow, man, I would love more of that. So yeah, um, it's uh, yeah, it's not good news, but it's fine. We've uh, you know it's five six weeks. That's nothing. Um, yeah, but. Uh, it's also nice, I, I haven't got it on hand, I can't read it to you, but they, they kind of preface, preface the news of the delay, saying like, we have poured our heart and soul into this game. Like we, and we've listened to all the feedback 
um, that we got about uh, Jedi Fallen Order and really listened to that and taken that into account as we put together the, the sequel. And that's, that's cool to hear. I mean, to me, Fallen Order was unbelievably great. So, like, they could just release another one basically like that and I'd be happy. But, um, yeah, I'm assuming there are going to be just some things like uh, range of appearance. That's one thing that people criticize about it. Um, maybe uh, a few more planets for them to visit or something, stuff like that that people have commented on that they might improve on. But um, it's exciting. I actually finally bought a, a console. I bought an Xbox Series X and I'm a little bit, I'm having fun, but I'm a little bit concerned. Like I can feel the old um, video game addictive tendencies kind of creeping in. Um, kind of told myself I would only play video games like once a week or something, but I'm feeling a bit of a hunger for more. I mean, it's new. So, of course, when you get new stuff, you like want to play with you want to play with your toys when they're new, don't you? Um, but uh, yeah, I'm pleased to report that I am geared up and ready for that release. Can't wait. All right. Um, oh, also, they're starting to release uh, guests and stuff for Star Wars Celebration. And that's nuts. Star Wars Celebration is just around the corner. There's going to be announcements. There are definitely going to be announcements. Maybe not big ones, but um, I got to assume there's going to be some big ones. Like, I mean, so much of the future of TV has already been, like, uh, announced. So I'm not sure that we get big TV news, but Star Wars on the big screen news, come on! I think we've got to get some news about that and hopefully something pretty juicy. But I guess we'll see. There have been... Ah, yeah, you know what? Um, some, someone from um, Hollywood Reporter, who's not just some bullshit clickbait site, they... Um, they actually, you know, <laughs> try to vet their sources and um, try to be accurate with their reporting. Um, someone from The Hollywood Reporter tweeted a gif of Daisy Ridley as Rey in The Last Jedi with the kind of like side eye emoji. And a lot of people took that to say that they've probably got sources telling them that Ray. I mean, Ray was going to come... Ray's, Ray's, of course, coming back. Whatever the, like, the dude bro dickheads out there say, Ray is a really popular character. She is fucking great. Daisy Ridley is great. Ray is great. And she was always going to come back at some point, but that it might be sooner than later. Which would make my day... Oh, I would. I'll say it again. She's my favorite thing in Star Wars since the since the original trilogy. I just think she is everything that you could possibly want in a Star Wars main character. Um, so let's uh, let's do it, man. Let's bring Ray back and let's let's just bring the hammer down 
and shut these whiners up once and for all, please. Would be great. Yeah, that's it. All right. It's time to play Name That Song. Man, like I was just, I just had a quick listen back just to check where I was. Sorry about the echoiness. I'm still waiting for my stuff to arrive from Sweden. It's been, nah, I mean this, it, I knew it was going to take this long, but it's also like, would not mind some rugs and stuff in here. <laughs> it's weird, like the echoiness, it actually affects how I feel at home. Like it, it makes it kind of uncozy to be here. You know what I mean? Uh, but the end is in sight. It's not long now. All right, here we go. Um, this game is we play a tune at random from the Star Wars catalog. I have to try to guess what it is or where it's from and also talk about what I think about it. Here we go. Oh, well, there we go. Episode one, the appearance, the arrival and appearance of Darth Maul, obviously. Yeah, I mean, this is... Come on. Whew. This is about as epic as it gets in terms of Star Wars music. Like... Yeah. Man. It makes me want to watch it right now. Um, yeah, I'm getting distracted because it's too good. Alright, let's go to the next one. Okay, I know this. What is it? Wait. Um. Ah, it's Among the Stars. No, it's not. Fuck, this is... F oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> the beginning sounds like Among the Stars. This is from Rogue One, for sure. Um. Is it something about... Jin's far about uh, Galen Erso, maybe. Let's check. Mm, okay, it's just called Guardians of the Wheel Suite. Yeah, but uh, it's great. Props to Rogue One. Uh, okay, here's the, a little... Okay, I'm going to turn this down while I talk about this. Here's a little dilemma I'm having. So I'm doing... I'm on the Saga rewatch. I just finished Andor. The idea was probably to go into Rogue One and then into the original trilogy, I'm actually feeling like, like I don't want to watch Rogue One again until after I see season two of Andor. Like I'm so invested in this guy's journey now that I feel like I don't want to spoil myself by jumping to, into the future of his journey too far. Even though I've seen Rogue One, you know, Countless times. I have the entire thing memorized, you know. There are no surprises to be had. But I don't know, in a way, I, like, I don't want to see him at that stage of his life until I get to see um, the rest of how he got there, in a way. We'll have to see. Um, yeah, but I, I love the soundtrack to Rogue One. It's so crazy. Like, there are a couple of moments that come across as a little bit cheesy, I think, at least, like, the first couple of times I watched the movie, and that made me think, okay, it's, it's, it's good, but maybe I, 
I don't love, love it, but uh, yeah. Uh, I have really changed my uh, opinion there. I love it, absolutely. Let's do another one. Okay, it's original trilogy. Hmm. Is it from The Empire Strikes Back, maybe? Is this like on Bespin, perhaps? Hmm. Hmm. All right, I gotta check. I'm not really sure. from A New Hope. It's called Inner City. Inner, inner city, inner city pressure, inner city pressure. Inner city? Why is it called Inner City? I have to investigate this further. All right, next, we'll do one more. Oh, force theme. Fantastic. This version of it, though, is from. I'm looking. I'm looking because I, I can't really tell which version it is. This is called the Sacred Jedi Texts. This is from the Last Jedi, Ooh. which provides me with an excellent segue into our next section, where we are um, watching the Last Jedi scene by scene and. Um, Commenting as we go. Um, we're almost at the end of The Last Jedi, so I actually have to choose which Star Wars movie to do next after that. That will be interesting. All right, but let's do it. Heading towards the finish line on The Last Jedi. All right, I've, I've teed it up to where we, where we were. And I'm seeing the uh, very large, handsome face of Kylo Ren telling them to put him down on the salty flats of Crate to face Luke Skywalker face to face, man to man. <laughs> Here we go. This is... Some of the most bonkers shit in Star Wars ever. Oh, another classic Hux moment. Supreme Leader, don't get distracted. Kylo Ren just says, Hux, you are shutting up right now. Wham. And then you, to see that pilot just <laughs> jump into action so that he, he avoids the same fate as General Hux. Fantastic. Bloody just hilarious. Look at that shot of Luke watching Kylo Ren come out. I mean, that's just imagery wise, that's top tier Star Wars. Look at that. 
What's cra- okay? Is that in the, sometimes I've been forgetting that I'm in charge of the like the movie. I can pause it when I want to. All right. Um, you know, like a lot of the discourse around the prequels uh, is like, did they overuse CG, CGI? Did they not? And of course, some people are like, you know, they used a lot of practical sets, which they did. Um, but still, you know, I, I just feel like that that um, they pushed CG beyond where it could go at the time. It's, n- it's the fact that they use CG is not the issue. And the reason for that is shots like the one I'm looking at right now. The shot is, it's great, you see the, the ground is all smashed up. It just looks, it, it almost looks like a river of raw meat. You've got Kylo on one side, Luke on the other. They are facing each other. It is... A howling sunset in the background. It looks incredible. Most of what you see on there is CG. I'm not sure about everything they're standing on, but that whole sky was definitely created in a computer. But it was done in 20... 17, or released in 2017, when uh, CG was very much up to the job of doing that and making it look really realistic. Um, so, yeah. I don't, why am I talking about this? Basically, just to say, um, yes, it's cool when they use practical effects when possible. I think... It's still the way to go. Like, if you can do stuff practically, then it, there's something special about it. But um, look at a shot like that. CG ain't the problem. It's, you know, whether whether or not the artists and the technology is up to the job. And whatever you think about the new movies, you have to say that visually everybody was up to the job. That's for sure. All right, let's continue. Oh, all those particles in the air, sparks. Did you come back to sing, forgive me? Pfft, dialogue. To sing my soul. No. Ah, oh, Mark Hamill just throwing down. Adam Driver just rules the, the classic saber ignition from, from Kylo Ren. Look at that shot. Sparks flying, the saber, that the, the unstable saber just fizzing and popping. That classic Kylo Ren stance. I don't. This thing where they're like, like we don't have to fight them, we just have to survive. This, this 3PO's moment. That's a classic shut up 3PO moment. I think like a couple of times maybe watching this, I felt a little bit like 
it swings from that just really like high drama of Luke and um, Kylo out on that battlefield to that the, a, a 3PO joke and it's, it's a little bit whiplash-ish <laughs> I don't know I'm just used to it now I dig it so this is the kind of Poe becomes a leader moment yeah it's cool it's good Leia kicking ass looking great look at this oh Millennium Falcon. Man, I miss, like, sometimes, you know, people can romanticize Carrie Fisher and I've, I'm a bit of a dick. Sorry, I'll just do it. I'll just call myself a dick. I'm a bit of a dick in a way that I feel like her lifestyle choices meant were what caused her to leave us early. Um, and entirely selfishly, I feel a little bit like, oh, I wish you had chosen differently, honey. But uh, anyway. Hmm. Okay, what? Okay, this is something I got to talk about here. So, from the first time I saw this movie, these rocks, to me, looked almost cartoonishly round and even and, like, uniformly sized. It looked like rocks in a video game where it's like it, you see them and it's, like, obvious that you're supposed to, like, smash them or move them to go through a secret doorway or something. Um, but in the making of documentary for The Last Jedi, I think Ryan Johnson actually says he told the effects crew, like, I want them, like, uniformly sized and very round or something. I don't really understand that. It makes it look much less realistic to me and almost, like, goofy in a way. But maybe it was something about just in terms of composition or, like, how how pretty that that scene would look with the rocks suspended in the air. Maybe that's what he wanted. Ah, okay. We're back to the... Look at this. I don't know. I always thought, like, Mark Hamill didn't look as killer with a saber as he used to. Obviously, he was older by this point. <laughs> but uh, still, it's great. That attack from Kylo, awesome. I mean, come on. If you're going to have a lightsaber fight on a, like, a bloody salted wasteland at sunset with a line of massive walkers behind you, it's not bad. Bold use of the future perfect there. And when I kill you, I will have killed the last Jedi. I think scriptwriters tend to avoid that, uh, that grammar structure. Can be a bit uh, unwieldy in the wrong hands. But M Driver ain't just anyone. He delivers the future perfect perfectly. Look at, I mean, look at Luke's eyes there. Ray has done the rocks. 
<laughs> yeah, see, I don't know. They look, they look fake. <laughs> but they do look, look, that is a, look, that shot is pretty. I think that's why he wanted the rocks to look that way. Talked before about the Brasso Cassian hug. This is a pretty good one. Finn and Ray hug. Fuck, I hope we get them back together, the two of them. Would be awesome. I'll destroy her and you and all of it. Ah! Oh. I am in Star Wars flavor country with this. Sorry, I should be talking about it. Look at Mark's performance. So much expression in every little tremor in his face. It's incredible. Here it goes. Kylo's gone for it. He thinks he's done it. He turns around. Luke's just still out of there. What the hell? Puts the saber right through him. The truth is dawning on Kylo, and then the reveal. Bam! Luke's not really there. He's still on Akto. He is projecting himself across untold light years to give the resistance the chance to escape. Now, I'm not the p person who came up with this. I think it was Brian Young from Full of Sith. Look at this. Listen to this, Kylo. That's a good no. I think he he's the one who like said it best. It, it's, this is basically the most Jedi thing in any Star Wars movie ever. Luke sacrifices himself in a completely non-violent way. He doesn't hurt anybody. All he does is use his abilities to protect the resistance. That's magic. Now, this, this moment here, whew. I gotta say like, of course now I know what's coming, that this is the end of Luke Skywalker. But in the cinema, like I, I didn't feel like, like I just felt like, okay, he survived. He gets, he sits himself back up on the, on this rock and Like, I just was like, all right, that's cool. Good on you, Luke. And then he passes away. And I'm a bit like, huh? But he, but he was able to like pull himself up on the rock. He looked all right. <laughs> so I think, like I remember in the cinema, his death just didn't, quite work for me to be honest which is sad you know Luke's my favorite character of all time you would think that the death of Luke Skywalker would be like an absolute tearjerker for me but uh, yeah 
I mean, I, I see that that scene differently now. Of course, he comes back as a force ghost, so it's not the same as other things. But, um, yeah, I don't think it's the it's the film's strongest point. Actually, it's great, but it's not top tier. This nice moment where Ray and uh, Kylo are seeing each other through that like force connection for the last time. Oh, such incredible cinematography. Han's lucky dice, they weren't real. Wow. Aww, cute little Ray moment with BB-8. Bloody hell. We need Ray back. We, we really do, for real, man. There we go, the Sacred Jedi texts. Nice to, that they came back in The Rise of Skywalker. Get to see a nice moment with Finn and Rose. Here we go. Leia and Rey together. I would love to see like some adventures between Leia and Rey set between this and The Rise of Skywalker because there's an entire year of, of Leia and Rey working together and Rey studying under Leia. Mm. <laughs> Great. Now, this is the... It's a great shot of the Falcon, and I remember in the cinema going, that's got to be it, but no, there's a bit. There's another bit. Okay, we've got the kids from um, the Canto Bite Fathia stables, and it's showing that um, this, the legend of, of what Luke did, the story, has spread throughout the galaxy, which is pretty cool. We see uh, Broom Boy as he became known. Um, showing that he has force abilities and that there is a future for the galaxy somehow that Luke's story is inspiring people and that the next generation is just around the corner um, yeah I can't say like I absolutely loved that uh, little epilogue um, felt like, yeah, I don't know. I think that if, um, if the Rise of Skywalker had capitalized on that, you know, Legend of Luke Skywalker stuff and then said, you know, when, when the whole galaxy turns up to fight the First Order and the Final Order, if it had been, like, directly linked to people hearing about what Luke did on Crate, it would have been cool, but... That's all right. Yeah, this is um, this is it. That's the end of the the Last Jedi. So overall, this movie ha has some of my absolute favourite sequences in the whole saga. Um, it's got bit, bits here and there that I'm not super hot on, but overall, I think it's wonderful. Um, yeah, and I can't wait to get to the sequel trilogy. Ah, oh, by the way. 
So there have been multiple performances in Gothenburg um, of like Star Wars movies accompanied by live orchestra. There are big things in like they happen in stadiums. They're pretty expensive. I never went to one because they were expensive. Um, but I saw an ad pop up for uh, a similar event in Brisbane in April. Um, so, as far as I've seen, it's always been like A New Hope or Empire Strikes Back. But the one coming up in April is for The Force Awakens. And I was just like, I find the sequel film so refreshing that, um, and I, I'm so hungry to support them in a way, that I was like, bam, sold. And uh, I bought a ticket straight away. Um, I can't wait. It's going to be super fun. Um, I... Who knows? Maybe I can try to meet some fellow Star Wars people there. Would be nice. But, um, yeah, um, let's see. People say those things are really cool. I mean, in a way, I'm like, I don't know. Like, we've all seen the movie. Um, how much cooler is it to have with a, with a symphony playing the music live? I don't really know. Uh, but I will find out and report back, of course. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Um, It's great to be in this new phase of my life and to be back podcasting again. It's good fun. Um, all the best. Hope you're good. My name is Tom Sutton and this is Star Wars fun for everyone, especially me. Hey!